0: Happy Father's Day. So great to have you all here um, celebrating. Um, my father is here. Happy Father's Day. The father of my children is here. My grandfather is here. 90, we won't say exactly in the mid-90s. <laughs> and so uh, I have been so blessed in my life by the amazing men that God has brought into my life. And I know that many of you today are thinking of those, maybe some that you still have your dad around. And today you get to spend some time just letting him know how much he means to you. Maybe some of you today is a little bittersweet. You're missing missing a dad that is no longer with us. And uh, for you, we love you. We're praying for you. For some of you, maybe it's painful because dad wasn't a great thing in your life. And um, I love the verse that says that God is the father to the fatherless, and he places uh, the orphan in families. And so we're glad that you're here today because there is a father somewhere in here for you. So if you don't have a great dad that you can call, I will share mine. I promise. (laughs) One of the things we are love about Homestead and we have prayed, prayed, prayed for is that Homestead would be a church that represents all generations. And the reason is sometimes you need a dad and you don't have yours around. And so the beauty of the body of Christ is that there is someone that will come and be there for you. And so um, we just love the, the environment where there's someone here that I know would love to invest in you and spend time with you and pray with you and give you advice. And um, Dad, actually, my dad actually went with one of our single moms from our church and helped her buy a car. She said, I don't have anybody to help me. So that's what the body of Christ is supposed to be about. So we are so glad that all of our dads are here today. We have a little gift for you as you leave. It's out there. So there's a little gift card for you. You can buy yourself a coffee this week on us uh, because we appreciate you and all you do. So we are continuing today to talk uh, through this summer, we are going to be discussing the fruit of the spirit. So uh, last week we kind of introduced this series talking about um, Galatians 5:22 and 23 says, "The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. We talked about how these are the fruits where if God is really in control of your life, if you have surrendered your life to Christ, if the Holy Spirit is living and acting in you, you should see these things becoming more evident. And we spent some time looking a couple verses ahead of this last week. We looked at Galatians 5 verses 20 and 21 where Paul gives us another list. He gives us a list of a life that is not controlled by the Spirit. And he goes through this whole big list of the fruit that you will see if your life is not controlled by the Spirit. And we talked about looking at those two lists. It's a really good way to gauge your spiritual health, to say, okay, well, list one, outbursts of anger. Ha, that might be a fruit I'm seeing in my life, and that's a bad fruit. So, okay, Lord, help me to see good fruit in my life. And we talked about the fact that All good fruit comes from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces that fruit in us. We can't just try and be more joyful. I mean, we can try, and we might succeed for a day or an hour or five seconds. But yet, the Holy Spirit, the fruit that lasts, is something that he produces in us. And the more we are surrendering our lives to Christ, the more we are inviting the Holy Spirit in, the more that he is the one in charge— automatically he begins producing this fruit. And it starts to come out of us because the character of Christ is becoming more and more in us. And we have more of Jesus in us. Our lives produce good fruit. And our list of good fruit starts to beat out our list of bad fruit. And so today we are going to start talking about, we're going to start going through these specific fruits. And today we are going to talk about love. Love. And the interesting thing, when we talked about last week the fact that we can't create fruit in our own lives, we have to rely on the Holy Spirit to produce fruit in us. And I was thinking this week about that good fruit list. And it's not just a random list. You know, I wonder if, if maybe Paul was just like, well, let me think of all the nice things. The fruit of the Spirit is actually the things that are the heart of the character of God those are the things that God is. God is love. God is joy. God is peace. These are the things that make up the character of who he is. And so when the Holy Spirit is producing good fruit in our lives, the truth is we are becoming more like Christ. We are becoming more like him. The more he gets in us, all of the character attributes that are God become in us. We become more like him. All these things He starts to show himself in our lives the more we are giving ourselves to the Holy Spirit. He is patient with us. I'm pretty grateful for that. He is kind towards us. He is gentle in the way that he deals with us. He is joy. And today we're going to talk about the fact that he is love. So as we talk about each of these fruits individually over the next nine weeks, and we begin to ask God to help us to see more evidence of these fruits in our lives, I think it's important as we look at these to look at the character of God, um, to look at not only how, what God has to say about patience, but to look at how God demonstrates patience. To look not only at joy, but to look at the scriptures that talk about how God demonstrates joy, how he gives it to us. To not just look at goodness, but look at the character of God and how he demonstrates goodness in his relationship with us. And so we are going to talk about the fruit today of love. How God loves us, and then in turn, as we give him more ownership of our lives, how we begin to love others. So let's just open in a word of prayer, and then we'll dive into the scriptures. God, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, it is our life. It is our breath. It is the thing that will lead and guide us. I thank you that there is wisdom in your word for every area in your life, in our lives. And I pray that today as we study your word that your Holy Spirit would come and meet us right here and that you would begin to unlock these passages, that you would begin to reveal yourself through your word and that we would leave this place knowing more about your heart and about your character and that that in turn would begin to change us. We want to be more like you, Jesus, in every single area of our lives. So we ask you to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want you to turn in your Bibles today to 1 John. 1 John 4, 7 through 12 is the scripture that we're going to be looking at. So it's kind of at the end of the New Testament. 1 John. I'm going to get a taller stand. I feel like I'm looking down. Talk amongst yourselves. Hold on. Okay, sorry can't get this one to move up. Okay, have you found it? First John, right in the back. There's Bibles in your pews if you're looking for a specific, um, if you want to find it, but otherwise the words will be up on the screen. First John 4, 7 through 12 is what we're going to be studying today, and it says this, dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. So today we're going to kind of unpack that passage a little bit. The first thing that we learn about this passage is that God is love. Not, that, not just that God is loving or God is really good at love. Or when it comes to all of the people who love, God is like, you know, pretty awesome at it. But God is love. He is, It's the embodiment of who he is. Um, all of the things that we understand about God, all of the things about his character, all of the things that we know about him— The thing that we always, always, always have to come back to is the fact that he is love. It is the center of who he is. So when we think of all of the attributes of God, well, God is our provider. Yes, he is. And if we take that a step back, he provides for us out of his love for us. God is our protector. His word says that he watches over us. And that attribute can be traced back to the reason he does that is because of his great love for us. He is our comforter. The Bible says that he comforts the brokenhearted and he is close to those who are crushed in spirit. And the reason he's close is because he loves us so much. And even, even when he disciplines us even when he puts his finger on something in our heart and he puts his finger on something in our attitude and in our actions and he says you know what we're going to i'm going to allow some circumstances around you to start addressing this thing it's never out of punishment it's never out of anger it's always redemptive it's always traced back to love it's like with my kids when i discipline them they don't look at me and go thank you mother how lovely of you. I feel so loved right now that you took away my phone. Thank you. All all I'm feeling is love. No, they look at me and go, ah, you're so mean. You don't get it. And I have to just sit back and go, you know what? I totally want you to grow up to be a responsible human. So This is coming out of love, and it's the same way when we look at the character of God, even when he disciplines us, even when he allows us to go through a tough season, and you might be in the middle of a dark valley, and you might be in the middle of something really rough, and the last thing you think is, this cannot be the actions of a God that loves me. If he loved me, he would just pluck me right out of the situation. And yet we can always trace it back to a loving God who says, no, 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 I'm here. You're gonna learn something about me here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach you something about my character. You're gonna grow, you're gonna get better. Even in the midst of this valley, I am right there with you. It's so easy in the midst of the valley to think, well, God doesn't love me. If he loved me, I wouldn't be here. And yet nothing could be further from the truth. Everything always comes back to love every character of God. We have to circle it in the motivation of love because God is love. And the very heart of the gospel, the very message of what Jesus came to do is that he came to earth and he died because he loved us. He didn't have some weird sense of obligation or duty or oh, these people keep making a mess, I guess I better figure something out. He says, no, I come. I came and I died because I loved you. What is the most famous verse in the Bible? John three sixteen, right? For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Sometimes we've said that so many times we forget it. But look at that first line, and this is the New Living Version, which I love how it says it. This is how God loved the world. Hey, God wanted to show the world he loved them, so this is what he did. This is how God showed he loved the world. Um, At our house uh, with my husband, we've been married almost 19 years, and um, we, you know, keep learning different ways of how each other appreciates, you know, to be shown love. And um, I recently expressed to Jeff one of the ways that I really like, and maybe some of you might relate to this, I love a grand gesture. Anybody here love a grand gesture, right? My husband is so great. He loves to, yes, I agree. He loves to serve me and, you know, doing the dishes, and he always makes sure that everything's taken care of, and that's really how he expresses it, and I love all that. But finally one day I just said to him, you know, I just really love the, like, the grand gesture, you know, the thing that you're like, oh, oh, I think I watched too many movies maybe growing up, the big, you know, the big moment where something just, you just take a deep breath, like, oh, I never thought that anyone would ever do such a thing for me, and so, um, you know, Jeff, that doesn't come supernatural to him, and so um, a few... Months ago, I had this really great bag that I took when I traveled, and um, I accidentally left trail mix in it after a trip, and my dog got into it and ripped it all apart, and I was so maxed. It was my favorite bag, and I just couldn't find another one like it. It was a TJ Maxx bag, so you can't find another one. And So anyway, I was all upset about it, and I came home one day, and there sitting on the counter was like a bag, just like what I wanted. It was like a travel bag. It had everything I wanted, and I looked at it, and I'm like... <gasps> you did a grand gesture. <laughs> like, and it might not be a big deal for you guys, but for me it was like, yes, you did something big to show me how much you, you just thought about. It, it took some time. You had to research it. you had to find one that would fit in the overhead and just like I liked it. It's a grand gesture. Sometimes those grand gestures are just something that makes you just feel. The reason I love it is it just makes you feel, oh my goodness, you thought about me. You did something over the top for me. And that is what John 3.16 says to us. God showed the world that he loved them by this. He left heaven. He left all that grandeur. He came to earth. He walked as a man. And then he put himself on that cross and died for us. Not out of duty, not out of obligation, but because he loved us so much, he wanted to have a way to free us from this life of sin, from this life of hopelessness. And that is what the message of the gospel is all about. God is love. So today I want to look at this passage in 1 John 3, and I think there are three things that we can learn about the way that God loves, and then in turn talk about what that might look like in our lives. As we become more like Christ, then how does that affect the way that we love others? So the first thing we're going to look at is if you don't love, then you don't know God. This is found in 1 John 4. 7 through 8. Let me read them again. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. If we don't love, then we don't know God. If we can't love other people, then there is a problem in our relationship with God. It says that you don't know him. If you don't have love in your heart for other people, you have a spiritual problem. You don't know God. Last week, we talked about the frustration that comes when we try and create and manufacture fruit on our own. And this passage confirms it for us. God gives us the love that we have for other people. And therefore, if you don't have love in your heart for someone... You need to go to God with that. And there is a problem in your relationship with God. It says you don't know him. If you can't find love for someone, you don't know him. I was thinking about um, a few months ago, I was talking to a group of girlfriends, and they were all pastors, and um, we were talking about some different situations going on. And in the middle of the conversation, one of the, the girls started talking about, she said, well, I know that this church is really struggling. And actually, I know the senior pastor's wife called the youth pastor's wife and told her how frustrated she was with the music pastor's wife. And I know all the women involved. And I was kind of sitting there going like, oh, goodness. And then, But I stopped. And I said, whoa, 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 hold on a second. What? And she said it again. And I said, not a chance. I said, actually, I know that senior pastor's wife. I know her very well. And A, I know that she would never say something like that about someone, and B, if she was gonna, I don't think she's gonna call the other lady because guess what, it's gonna get right back to her. And I I stopped and I said, I know that you heard this from somebody else, but let me assure you, I know her. She would never say that. And they kind of looked at me like, oh, well, you know. And I'm like, no, 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 really. I would put a million dollars on the fact that she never, ever, ever said that. Because I know her, I've watched her. I've watched the way she's lived her life. I've had conversations with her about difficult situations. She would never, ever, ever do that. She handles herself so well. I mean, maybe she was, you know, I don't know, hallucinating or something if it did happen. But I know her, and I know that that is not in her character. And you know what? We have to be careful when we start speaking for God. We have to be careful because if you start talking that maybe God doesn't love someone, you don't know God because there isn't anyone that God does not love with an abundant, overflowing heart of love. And if there is no love in your heart for someone, well, you don't know God. You don't understand God's heart for them. You don't understand how much he desires relationship with them. It says, if you don't know have love, then you don't know God because God is love. That is a big big thing to think about. So my question to you today is, how well are you loving others? Is there someone you're having a really hard time loving? Now, we all have our little list in the back of our mind, right? There's always that person that you're like, oh, man, that one is hard. (laughs) And it might be completely justified. It might be someone who has hurt you deeply. It might be someone who you have just gone around and around and around, and you are so frustrated with their behavior that you just you are having a really hard time finding love in your heart for them. Um, you, it might be someone who is hurting someone you love. That sometimes is even harder than in someone who's hurting you. If it's someone who's hurting someone you love, sometimes that can be the hardest person to love. I have a hard time loving judgmental people. I judge judgers. I don't know. So we all have our thing, right? We all have our thing. And yet, God is saying, okay, look, I love that person. So the more you get to know me and the more you spend time asking me about my heart for that person, I can give you some insight. I can give you some things that might help you be able to have a little love and a little compassion in my heart for them. Whoever that person is for you, I challenge you this week to ask God to give you love for that person. And you might do it with gritted teeth, and that's okay. Ask him to show you the way that he sees them. And then ask him to supernaturally fill your heart with compassion for them. Sometimes God can just give us a little nugget of understanding as to maybe why somebody ended up the way that they ended up, where, where they kind of went off the rails and where their behavior is coming from. Now, that doesn't justify anything. But I believe that God will give you love for that person. So number one, if we don't love, we don't know God. Number two, another thing we can learn from this passage, is love was given before we deserved it. God gave love to us before we deserve it. 1 John 4, 9 through 11 says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sin. God loved us before we loved him, right? Sometimes it's easy to love the people that love us, Sometimes it's easy to love when we're like, well, man, who could not love Jeff Kerr? He, buys, he does grand gestures, right? I mean, so sometimes we think, well, the people that love us well, it's easy to love them back. And yet what God has demonstrated here in the way that he loves is it says that he came to earth. This is real love. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us. He loved us. Romans 5 says that he loved us while we were yet sinners. And another version says while we hated him, he came to earth to die for us. There is something profound in loving someone that hates you. There is something in the way Jesus loves us. It, it doesn't say that we had cleaned ourselves up and fixed ourselves up and, and were just open-armed and said, oh, Jesus, come to earth. No, no, no. He came before we loved him and demonstrated his love for us before we deserved it. I was talking to a, a friend this week who... Um, used to be a person of faith and has kind of gone down a bad road the last few years, and she sent me a text and just said, you know, I just realized that I've kind of fallen out of love with God, and I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get back, and can I just tell you really honestly, my very first thought of how to respond to her was, well, yes, you you know, your behavior lately, you've been involved in a lot of stuff that's Of course you're not gonna feel close to God. I mean you're kind of woo way over here and you're you're behaving in a way that is really difficult. So maybe if you kind of can get that act together, you're gonna start to feel close to God again. And the Holy Spirit stopped me right away and said, Can't I find her there? Can't I find her there? Can I not do I do I ask you to clean yourself up before I'm willing to come and assist you and help you back? And I stopped. And I said, yes, Lord, you can find her right there. And my response back to her was like, Jesus is pursuing you. The fact that you even sent me this text today means he is igniting something in your heart. And guess what? He draws us in loving kindness. He brings us back to him. And then he fixes all the mess that we've made. And he comes back and he helps us walk through all of that. But he comes and he finds us. The whole message of the gospel is not that we made ourselves good enough that God can have a relationship. He comes and he finds us right in the midst of our brokenness. And he brings us back into a relationship with him. That is the message of the gospel. God loved us before we pulled ourselves together. He comes and finds us in the midst of our mess. I was thinking today about a girlfriend of mine who has a father who is a pastor. And she has three sisters. And the youngest one just went on this took this path that led her into just a whole bunch of really horrible things. And after years and years of this, the family trying to help her, trying to get her to come back, she just didn't want anything to do with God. She finally hit rock bottom, absolute rock bottom. And she called her sister and said, I am homeless, I'm pregnant, addicted to drugs. I can't even begin to figure out how I ended up here, and I don't know what to do. And you know what amazed me about that story? My friend called her dad, who is a very well-respected pastor. And I can imagine he had the moment where he thought, well, you know, we've been trying. We've been trying for years to get you to stop. You know what? He dropped everything. He ran and got on an airplane. And he flew to where he was. And he picked her up, and he brought her home. And I think about that all the time, because he might have had the temptation to try and accentuate his disapproval of her choices by leaving her to sit in her mess for a little while. But that's not what the heart of a father does. That's not what the heart of a father does, because he doesn't just see her right there in her mess. He sees her whole life. He sees her coming home from the hospital the sweet little baby. He sees her as a little toddler on his shoulders. He sees her as the little girl in elementary school who comes home crying because somebody made fun of her. He sees all of the pieces of her life. And not only that, he sees all her potential. He sees all the things that she could be someday, all of the ways in which she could really make a mark on the world. And all he's thinking about in that moment is, we're going to get you back on the right path. And that is the heart of a father And that is the heart of God the Father to us. You have not gone too far. You have not gone away too much. God isn't sitting there waiting, trying to get you to just clean yourself up before he opens his arms to you. He is right there and is saying, come on, we're going to get back to this together. But you need to know I love you. Nothing can separate you from my love. There's a great verse in 2 Samuel 14 that says that this is why God tries to bring us back when we have been separated from him. He does not sweep away the lives of those he cares about, and neither should you. I love that verse. He doesn't just say, pfft, too much. You've been too much trouble. Could you just, all right, moving on. Let's see. Let's have another kid. No, he always comes back. He does not sweep away the lives of those he loves. And guess what? Neither should we. And it can be hard to love someone through a really hard time. It can be hard to go through season after season of really difficult stuff. It's weary. You can get tired. You cannot know what to do. You can be fearful and heartbroken. And yet God says, you know what? I love people that way, so I want you to love people that way. I want you to keep coming back to them with love. I want you to keep coming back to them. After a number of text exchange between my friend this week, the last thing she said was, thank you for loving me no matter what. I know I'm a mess. But thank you that I know that I can always call you. That's the kind of love that God shows me. So I want to show that kind of love to other people. So do you love people that way? That's the question for us today. If God's love is given before we deserve it, then our love should be given, even when people don't deserve it. So how do you love? Do you love only when others are behaving the way you want them to behave? Do you use your love as a weapon? Do you withhold it to show disapproval? And this this, uh, last spring in our moms group, we did boundaries with kids. We all, man, needed a support group after going through that. And one of the things they kept saying when you're disciplining your children, do not do relational consequences. Don't withdraw your love, don't walk away, don't give them the silent treatment. Find consequences that are effective and yet engage with them, love them. Let them know I'm here, I love you, I got you. And then here, give me your phone. (laughs) You know, so, because staying connected is huge. And sometimes we don't know what to do, right? We feel like the only tool in our arsenal is a relational consequence. I'm really angry with you. And so we don't know what to do. And yet, God wants us to learn to love people through their mess. So do you only love people who love you? Luke 6.32 says, if you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. Or do you freely continue to love even in the midst of someone else's mess. So we can learn today about the way God loves. God loves us before we deserve it, and therefore we should love others before they deserve it. And the last thing I want to talk about today, that we can learn about love from this passage, is that when we love well, other people experience God. 1 John 4:11 and 12 says this, Dear friends, since God has loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. I love what John is saying here. He says, hey, no one has ever seen God. People can't see God with their own eyes. They can't see that, but when you imitate him in the way you love others, he actually becomes visible, he actually becomes visible to them. If we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. This translation says his love is brought to full expression, but other translations, the NIV says his love is made complete in us. The ESV says God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. And when I was studying, I came across this really cool um, commentary that said that actually the Greek word for this um, is, I won't even try and say it, but the word means it's it's best illustrated by an old pirate's telescope. So I have a picture of that, an old pirate's telescope. What it means is imagine that thing all pulled together, right? You know how like the old pirate's telescopes, they would all be a little thing. And then as we love people, it begins to open a little bit. And then it opens a little bit more, and it begins to open a little bit more. So the word there is illustrated with the telescope saying it's unfolding. It's extended out one stage at a time until it can function at full strength. So the word that means God's love is fully expressed in us means when you love other people, they don't maybe know a lot about God, but when you have an interaction with them and show love, one little chink is opened. And then you have another interaction and you show love. Another chink is open. Or maybe they just observe you. Maybe it's somebody at work that has just watched you walk through something and your responses have, have been loving in the face of unloving accusation. And every time we do that, it's like God's love is revealed a little bit more until the day that one day they can see f- clearly the love of God. I think that's just such a great thing that when we love well, We show other people who God is bit by bit and piece by piece. And suddenly the God who cannot be seen by human eyes is revealed to other people through the actions of one of his children. When we love others, God is revealed because God is love. And when we love well, people get a clear picture of who God is and what his heart is for them. So what are people seeing when they look at the way you love? Do they think, "Oh man, I don't want that guy to ever get mad at me." Is that what they see when they see the way you love? Or they think, "Oh my goodness, she is the first one to talk about somebody as soon as they walk out of the room." Yeah, I'm going to be really careful what I say around her. Or are they getting a clear picture of the love God has for them every time they have an interaction with you? How are you loving people? It always has to come back to love for us because love is the center of the character of God. And if we are going to become more like him, we have to start by being people who love well. And so today as we close, I want us to just spend a moment praying and asking God to help us love well. What that might look like might be totally different for you than it is for me. For what that, And of course there are boundaries, and of course there are decisions, and of course there are hard conversations. But yet in the center of all of it, we have to do a better job of loving well. We have to do a better job of loving well. So today I want to leave you with 1 Corinthians 13, which is the chapter on love. And I love the message version. And I think as we are contemplating in our minds how we can love well this week, I would love to end with us thinking about These verses in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 7 in the message. And it says this If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but I don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. And if I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything as plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and that mountain jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. And if I give everything I own to the poor, and I even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I am bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. It doesn't have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first. It doesn't fly off the handle. It doesn't keep score of the sins of others. It doesn't revel when others grovel. It takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. It puts up with anything. Trusts God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for a love so big that I don't deserve. Lord, none of us deserve the amazing affection and love that you have lovingly and willingly poured out for us. And so we just start today by saying thank you. Thank you for loving us that much. Thank you for being faithful and true, even though we are faithless. Thank you for pursuing us when we haven't wanted anything to do with you. You have continued to to drop breadcrumbs to bring us back. You have continued to come after us. You have continued to draw us to yourself with loving kindness. And I wanna just take a second today, Lord, and pray for anyone in this place who feels far away from you. Maybe they've never had a relationship with you, Maybe they have in the past, and yet time and decisions have made their heart grow cold towards you. I thank you right now that you are meeting them right there and that you desire for them to have a relationship with you. I pray today, Lord, that you would bring back those who have wandered away from you with your loving kindness, that you would bring them back to yourself, and that today would be the day that they begin a new, fresh relationship with you. Thank you, God, that you never stop coming after us. And Lord, today as your people, as your body, we ask you to forgive us for not loving well. Father, sometimes it just comes out of not knowing what to do and wanting to do the right thing and yet being so clumsy in how we do it. But today we ask that you would show us how you love other people and that your Holy Spirit would begin to create the fruit of love in our hearts. Lord, in the areas with certain people or certain experiences, or maybe it's just in an environment where something just always rises up in us and we have a really hard time loving people at work or at school or in our neighborhood. Lord, I pray that this week you would begin to grow the fruit of love in that specific situation. That, Lord, as we open our hands to you and say, help me with this, God, that you would grow that good fruit in us. I pray that we would be people who show your love by the way we treat others, by the way we care for others, by the way we lay ourselves down for others. And that we always represent you well. That we are people who know you. And so we represent you well. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.